Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Good to see your face again. Yeah, you too. After a week off. Mm. You have a nice week? Lovely, thank you. How about you? Yeah, great. Went to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Windy City. I was going to say that if I stopped myself. <laughs> <laughs> the Big Onion. The Big Onion? Yep. Is that another name for it? Yep. No, you're making it up. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, I, I, I could already feel myself going down a very uninteresting conversational cul-de-sac here but new york the big apple chicago the big onion the reason i know this is my brother-in-law has um like a butty van a sandwich van and uh some sandwich bars in chicago and they are called the fat shallot which is a play on the big onion i think there was already something called the big onion (laughs) so they went shallot yeah um so yeah, it's wonderful. Very autumn, autumn, right though. Mm. Autumn, Mm-mm. autumn. Yeah, the best, isn't it? That's right. You don't think autumn is the best? Mm, uh, I like it. Uh, rank the seasons. Spring. Number one. Yeah. Do it in reverse order, like a chart countdown. Okay. It's more exciting. Number four. Yeah. Winter. Uh huh. Number three. Autumn. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to fall out? Number two, summer. Huh? Number one, spring. Ah. I like spring. Okay. Do you want to hear mine? Go on. Number four, yeah. spring. Oh, we can't be friends anymore. Here's why. Mm-hmm. I love the renewal. Yeah. But I think spring tends to disappoint more than it delights. So when you get those days where it feels like the world is waking up again after yeah. the long, cold, lonely winter, what's better? Nothing. Mm. But to, to me, spring is a lot of rain and dismal days here in the UK. Yep. Okay. Take that. Um, but we both have spring birthdays, and I think it's a great time to have a birthday. Mm-mm. But not not my favourite season. Okay. <sighs> Number three. Oh, come on. You're not going to put summer below winter. I genuinely don't know. The, 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 you have correctly identified my dilemma here. Because, okay, summer, what's better than a long summer day? Mm. Spending long summer days indoors writing frightening verse <laughs> to a buck-toothed girl in Luxembourg. Um, but, again, 
in this country, you have an expectation of what summer's going to be like. That is frequently dashed. Yeah. Uh, what is going on with this weather? Why is it raining? Why can't we have a real summer in this country? Or, oh, I'm too hot. What I'm getting from you is you don't like disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> That's your number one thing, avoiding disappointment. Yeah, I think yeah. that's true. <laughs> Who likes it, though? No one likes it. You say that like, <laughs> what a quirky characteristic you have in that you don't enjoy disappointment. No, but the, the lengths you're going to avoid it. Well, it's not lengths, I suppose. Mm. Okay, no, all right, okay. Winter, I love until you get into the new year. Okay, so you like I, I love it, yeah. Right. I can't remember which country it is or, or which culture it is, but where there are six seasons, we've talked about this, haven't we, where it goes... Um, Spring, summer, autumn, the locking, winter, the unlocking, spring. The locking and the unlocking. What does that say? They're closing down and opening up again? Yeah, so you've got autumn, which is a fall where the leaves turn and things start to go. And, and then um, you get the bit where it just has gone dark, and but it's not full on oh, winter. winter yet. And it's mm. a bit bleak, but the front of it is covered up by Christmas. I can um, tell you, I, I, I'm putting locking at the bottom. Well, I think unlocking is quite bad. For yeah. me, the worst time of year is February, March. So it's like, when will it ever be nice again? Mm-mm. Which I think is the unlocking. I think the unlocking is my least. So if, do you want me to rank them from six down to... No. Anyway. Okay, okay. <laughs> Point, be, be, I suppose because February is my least favourite time of year, I've put winter in third then, right? Okay. I've never had this conversation with anyone before, which is surprising to me. Really? No. I don't know that I've ever ranked the seasons no, before. No, no. But <laughs> there you go. Be short and small talk this week. Ask someone to rank the seasons. I think it's... I, I genuinely think it's a great thing to talk about whether it's a good thing to listen to or not, <laughs> I, uh, uh, the jury is very much out i think you can tell a lot about someone by yeah. where where they yeah. put this season okay so i'll go winter good closely followed by summer okay fine and then autumn just the best you're the autumn guy i am the autumn guy mm. i think there's an onion um uh, an onion uh, page about how annoying the man who likes autumn is oh, really? with his pumpkin spice latte uh, okay yeah and his cardigan yeah <laughs> going on about how much she likes the autumn but i think it's a great season and i'll tell you what it's the opposite of disappointment because you think oh summer's gone here we are in the autumn lots of nice days lots of nice days yeah, in the true. autumn Very but true. you get to dress like a grown-up not like a primary school child yeah okay yeah and the color the colors annabelle i do like the color scheme of autumn it, it's, oh. it's the most it's most suits me i think me yeah. too me yeah. too um and chicago really offered up a lot of that it was really quite spectacular um now, mm. had some uh, some issues on the way there. To the Chicago? Yeah, so Sarah had gone to the States already. She'd gone to New York for a few days. So it's just me and Eugene travelling. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't let us check in online. Ugh. Do you want me to tell you why I don't think it would check us, let us check in online? Why? You've got to have a COVID um vaccination certificate okay and i am an anti-vaxxer no you're no, not. I'm not no i'm not no i'm not <laughs> the opposite <laughs> i am the opposite um and ever since i was a kid my names have been my name has been spelt wrong on my nhs records oh same as tom really yeah he's down as thomas which drives me mad because that's not his name his name's tom oh and, and he accepts it yeah so so i i can you know i remember 
my the brown envelope with my medical records in, which maybe is the same envelope, I don't know, with my first doctor, Dr. Tom, oh, his yeah. scruffy handwriting. It says Jeff Erie Lloyd and the R and the E are the wrong way around. And it's still like that. And any time I have any interaction with the NHS, it's like that. And I'll sometimes bring it up and yeah. nobody seems to have any interest in doing anything about it. So fine. But I think <laughs> the computer uh... of the, you know, whatever checks go on between governments and airlines uh, just sees two different names and thinks, hang on a minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not having that. Yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't let's check in online. So we go to the airport, we check in. I, I don't even think to look at the seat numbers on the boarding cards until we're getting on the aeroplane when I notice we're not in the same row. Oh, no. That's bad. Yeah. It's, it's a full flight. Oh, no. We're sitting directly behind, beh- you know, in front of and behind each other. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So the plane goes 333. Three, three. Yeah. We're in the middle of the middle. Ugh. So I immediately realise, oh, nobody's going to want to swap because this is the worst seat. Oh, my God. So Gene sits down on the one in front. I then go behind. He's like, Dad, why aren't you sitting with me? I'm saying, son, um, there's nothing we can do now. Let's wait until everyone's on. Then we can speak to the uh, speak to the cabin crew. And he's going, Dad, Dad, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. Again, Gene, it's fine. I'm just here. Look, I've got your snacks. There's an iPad. We'll, we'll try and sort it out when we're up in the, the air. And if not, I'm just here. Look, I can touch you on the shoulder. He's like, Dad, Dad, I feel bad. I say, I feel bad. I want to be with you. but it's gonna... and, and he's going, but what are we going to do? And... This conversation annoys the man sitting next to me so much that, and it's gone on for a while. So he's obviously, obviously his initial position was, well, I'm not moving. And then the incessant whining goes on so much that then he offers to switch seats. Thank God. And it just made me think how far whining can get you in life, really. Yeah, yeah. Kids, kids, kids know it, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works. uh, There must be some kind of hustle we can do. Because basically we've got something that mm. th- that nobody wants to give up. Yeah. Nobody wants to sit in the middle middle of the middle. And because of the whining, this guy thought, I would rather have the unpleasantness of that than listen <laughs> yeah. to this. How, ca- how can we monetize that? And monetize it. <laughs> you know, these people who come up to you and then pretend that they've lost their keys and they need some money for a taxi. I just think there must be some kind of Dickensian street hustle I can get into <laughs> with a kid who will whine like that. Yeah, it works. Yeah, so that was um, that was the thing. And another thing that I, um, I, uh, I thought, after we've been on this flight seven hours or something, I think I can really feel at my most disgusting as a human being when I look at the state that a seat I'm sitting on on a long-haul flight is in after a few hours. Really? Yeah. What sort of state is it getting into? So, number one, (laughs) bits of whatever food has been consumed are in the creases and crevices of the chair. Oh God! Yeah. Number two, you've—they give you a blanket which is in a plastic bag. I've ripped open that bag, mm. and the bag is somewhere strewn around. Mm. And then I've got too hot under the blanket, so the blanket is now strewn on the floor. Right. I've taken my shoes off. Right. Right. Um, headphones come in those little plastic things. I've shoved the. You've got that container in front of you that isn't really a container. It's like a pocket. Oh yeah. And then like you've they've they've taken the tray away and you don't want to have uh, taken the food away and you don't want to have tray out. So you've wedged in an empty plastic cup into that thing mm. that isn't meant as a cup holder. Mm. Just I just think there's a lot of detritus. Yeah. And you've got no ability to tidy it really. <laughs> so in the cinema, I make a mess. 
but I really pride myself on being the guy who picks up after himself mm-hmm. rather than leaves things strewn around. Mm-mm. On a plane, I don't think you have that luxury. And then especially when you were the kid who's like everything that I've just described but worse. Oh, God. <laughs> There's that. Um, what else can you tell you about my trip? I think I've spoken about this before. Something I only see, only in America, as they say, I only see in America. Mm. Um it will be with some frequency. I'll go to the toilet in a restaurant or some kind of establishment, and it is a single stall bathroom. So what you're not dealing with is a bunch of cubicles and urinals, and then a, uh, a communal sink area. Mm-hmm. It's a room that you go in and you're alone in, and you lock the door behind you. Okay, okay. You picture in the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is in that room? Toilet. Yeah. Sink. Yeah. A sanitary bin. Right. That's it. Right. So. In if it's a gendered bathroom, bathroom if it's a, a man's bathroom, the sanitary bin probably wouldn't be there. Okay. In America, you can add into that mix with some frequency a urinal. Okay. Which makes no sense to me. Yeah. Because if it's a communal bathroom, mm. the urinals are there to um, speed up the flow pretty pretty literally yeah they can get people in and out faster mm. there's no scenario in which i'm going into a bathroom and wanting the choice of a urinal or a toilet i can either stand and we in the toilet or i can sit and we in the toilet yeah. i don't think hmm, shall I, I, I i really uh you know i, I will pee into this toilet <laughs> but i don't like having to wipe the seat um I, I wish there was also the option of a urinal it's so strange to me is that quite common is it in only in America. I really? never, ever see it anywhere else. That is weird. What? I don't even understand the logic They've behind it. They've got too much it. space. They just need to fill all the space. I think that's right. Mm. I think you're right. Um, went to a water park. Won't tell you about that. Oh, I love a water park. You didn't have a good time? You did have a good time. Well, I, 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 so we did you feel to... dignified the whole time? No, I don't feel <laughs> dignified at all. Oh. Like, I, I, um, like, I just don't like being in any state of semi-undress. Oh, well, yeah. As I get older, I don't like anything that scares me. <laughs> oh. So when you're young, going on something like a water slide, that feeling of, wee, it's great. Yeah. I don't want that feeling anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a lot of adrenaline, I think I've t- talked about this when I was talking about parasailing in the summer. Oh. I did talk about that on yeah, the podcast, yeah. didn't I? Um, like a lot of adrenaline, uh, you know, thrill-seeking is about your body feeling like it should be about to die and then isn't, and the great relief that yeah, you find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me these days, the relief of not being dead mm. doesn't outweigh the fear of being, you know, whatever sensations my body is. Right. I don't like this. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't, nothing really to say about a water park. Okay, okay. Do you remember in the... We had a water park open near us in Stockport, ballpark late 80s. And it was very exciting. And then in next to no time, stories went round about people stopping themselves in the slide and hiding razor blades in there so people's <laughs> legs would be slashed to pieces. Did that ever happen? I, I have heard of the rumours. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe that's what put me off a water park. Who thought of that? Like, so cruel and horrible. And it, what was particularly dismal about this one, and, and I want to say Sarah's brother organised it, it was a great treat for the kids and they loved themselves. Okay. However, it being America... Uh, every the, the thing I really notice about spending time over there more than just as you would as a tourist, you know, cause obviously it's Sarah's family, so you see things from a slightly dis- different perspective, is as as much as we 
think we live in turbocharged capitalism. It's nothing compared to America. And at like every turn, every, every turn of anything, there is somebody willing to take money off you to provide a service. Right. That's, that's the biggest difference I perceive. Um, that and the sunny optimism. Okay. Which doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> um, and in this, in this water park, there, there was what I can only describe as a kid's casino. Okay. So if you'd been charitable, you'd call it an arcade. Right. But some of the things that existed in there and then the the prices, one of them, so um, Gene has this cousin who's four, three going on four, and th- this kid basically spent an hour playing a slot machine. Right. It was... It was Everything that is when when you go to somewhere like Las Vegas and you see depressed people with a, um, a, a a a cup full of coins just feeding a machine and pressing a button in the hope that the button will land on something that's going to give them back mm. something back it it was basically that but with Paw Patrol oh my god like a spinning wheel and if it landed on a certain character right, right, right. then you won a prize there was no skill involved it was just feeding a machine it just felt like oh god this is just we're really getting kids. <laughs> hooked on this unpleasant aspect of turbocharged capitalism at a very young age. Mm -mm. So that was the most depressing thing about the water park, I think. And when I came down the slide, somebody had hidden razor blades (laughs) and had slashed my legs to pieces. Um, Okay, one more thing about my holiday. Okay. So we're staying with Sarah's parents, great. Uh, Her brother lives nearby. They have a lovely house. And we go over there for dinner one night. And it's decided that we will eat al fresco. Great. Oh, warm enough was it? Yes. Great. And I think this is it. This could be the last good day of the year where it's warm enough to eat outside. So why don't we eat outside? Problem. Mm. They have an extension built. Their back garden is like a, you know, it's a, it's a brownfield site. It's uh, yeah. you, you can't go out there. The image has changed of the whole thing. Yeah. Now, right. They have a lovely porch. I assume they'll be moving a table onto the porch. Mm. There's then a lawn which goes directly onto the street. They take a table out. And, and put it next to the pavement. <laughs> so to, to to me as a British person, this I know you have a front garden that you use, but you have a high hedge. You have a high hedge. Like a, a and, front, it's, and it's a cul-de-sac. Yeah, a, a front garden isn't something you use. Well, generally, not, people. Not, not, I wouldn't drag a dining table out there. But no. people, just people generally. Like, do you not think that it, you, you have this front garden that you use because of a particular set up in your house but yeah. if you think about most people's front gardens yeah, they're, not used. they're the thing you walk through on the yeah. way to the front door yeah. and where the bins live i'm unusual yes yeah, yeah. and you're not open onto the street so, no. so so we have a big picnic it's like it's the queen's jubilee that's strange it's really strange people walking past saying hello but this is the this is the trouble yeah so it being america and there being that kind of sunny optimism of personality yeah. that we mentioned before it's exactly that they know everybody on the block now i know a lot of people on our block but if i see a neighbor mm. when i'm out about here's how it goes i can tell that we're both thinking have they seen me <laughs> yeah. is is there a way <laughs> that we can both pretend yeah. that we haven't seen each other yeah if the answer comes back as no, you, you, there's going to be an acknowledgement. It's okay. Is it possible to carry on walking? What What is the fewest possible words we can use here? Yeah, that's how, this is how everybody thinks. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas over there, I, I genuinely think the the thought process goes, "Hey, look, there's one of our neighbours. How exciting! What might we say to each other? Oh. We get to we get to talk." 
Yeah. What is that? Maybe they're even like saving up little tidbits of conversation for these moments. No, this is this is where I think you're wrong. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Here's what I don't think people of a sunny disposition who like interacting with other people uh, do. They're not doing any prep. Save up. They're yeah. not they're, they're not so anxious about how an interaction will go <laughs> right, right. that they have a set list. Like, <laughs> they're not like us. They just think, oh, it's per- I'm going to start speaking I'll of what comes t- out of yes, my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just talk until we stop yeah. talking. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, so alien to me. Mm. <laughs> my, um, just, just, oh, we'll stop in a second because I know I've been going on forever. Eh? Um, a while ago, just before we went away, I was in the house and I heard loud music coming from next door on the left hand side. Now, often there's loud music coming from next door on the right hand side because they have a teenage son mm. and it's never, ever, ever, ever been anything that I w- have wanted to hear. Right. And I think I told the story that once I turned a speaker to the wall and played some yodeling music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As revenge, mm. which worked. Mm. However, my neighbour on the left, uh, the the adults in the family, similar age to me, and I heard some really great 80s and 90s indie coming nice. out of there. Altered images, pavement, pulp. I mean, just some great stuff. Mm. So I'm thinking, is it my neighbour, who is my age, the, the husband or the wife, or has their kid who... I think it's like 10, something like that. Been watching Stranger Things and then they get into retro music off the back of it. Either way, mm. it is a delight to hear it coming through the wall. Mm. Do you think I could ever say that without sounding like I'm being passive aggressive about the volume of the music? Oh, it's impossible. <laughs> so I just yeah. have to keep it to myself. Yeah, impossible. Okay. Annabelle just had to tell me that I've been speaking so long. The screen that we record on has gone onto its screensaver mode. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what. That's what happens when we have a week off. You see, got a lot to say. So it would seem. It's not what I felt like um, five minutes before you turned up this morning, and it is morning as well. Mm. Um, thinking, God, what am I going to talk about on the podcast this week? Nothing's happened to me. And here we are. And here we are. I just want to say very quickly, thank you uh, to our Patreon supporters. You got our note newsletter out. That all went off without a hitch? Yeah, believe so, yeah. What, what's next for Patreon supporters? I think we're going to do the first secret, the secret um, podcast. Fantastic. Possibly the secret hairdresser slash barber, but I need to sort it out. Great. Well, I will, um, I'll just let, let uh, you know that everything, all the tiers above $2 are available to everybody between now and Christmas mm-hmm. because it's, you know, we've, we've, post-pandemic it's taken us a while to get sorted out and give you something i think that feels really worthwhile and and feels deserving of you for supporting of us on patreon so we're giving everybody above two dollars a bunch of stuff till christmas and that's the next thing that's going to happen uh support us at patreon.com stroke adrift now how is the inbox looking is it bulging it's bulging yeah first one is from grand sarina Bethan. She adds, Annabelle did say I could change my name for anti-war reasons, but I didn't want to cause any bother. But to be clear, I am anti-war. And and what title do they have? Grand Tsarina. What's a Tsarina? It's like a a Russian queen. Oh! Mm. Like the one that Rara Rasputin was the lover of. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering now if I've made up that word. It's also Russia's favourite love machine. Love machine. Love machine. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to Bethan. I was recently driving to an appointment to have a massage due to the fact I had so much tension in my shoulders that I looked like I was permanently shrugging when I found myself stopped at a temporary traffic light behind a minibus. At the back of the minibus, there sat two little boys who I would guess were between five and nine years old. 
I don't have children, therefore have no concept of how they age. They're either babies, children or teenagers. Beyond that, I'm lost. Anyway, the two little boys started excitedly waving at me, which is obviously the worst thing that could possibly happen. I tried to stay calm. After all, I had waved at drivers when I was a child passenger. If they didn't wave back, I would pretend my fingers were a gun and I would mime shooting them. I can't explain that reaction. I was neither a crip nor a blood. And as a young drifter, avoided all confrontation, except for some reason pretending to shoot unfriendly drivers. I've just done the blood <laughs> hand signal for Very good. The little boys kept enthusiastically waving and, feeling I had no choice, I waved back forcing a smile onto my face, telling myself, oh, it's sweet, aren't they cute? Desperately trying to convince myself that, as a woman in my late 30s, I wasn't intimidated by this interaction, which, naturally, I was. (laughs) Then the little boys started doing symbols with their hands, like the symbol for hang loose, something I found surprisingly retro. Can you do that for me? I don't know that symbol. Is it like that? I don't know. Okay, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Do five to nine-year-olds watch Point Break? Obligingly, and because it would be even more awkward to not react, I kept smiling and waving whilst praying the traffic light would change soon. Then the little boys upped the ante, and they started creating an L with their hands. An L for loser! After all the friendly (gasps) waving and smiling I did, I was being bullied by children in the back of a minibus, something I had experienced previously. When I was a child on a minibus, it was happening again! The clock was ticking. The traffic light still had not changed and fearing I was at risk of being late for my massage, I began to panic. I didn't know where to look or what to do. They kept taunting me, waving, laughing, calling me a loser. And what did I do? I waved back, smiling, pretending I didn't care. (laughs) Then, thankfully, the traffic light changed and the traffic began to move. But my relief was short-lived as the little boys kept tormenting me. I couldn't continue this way and so, despite being late for my appointment, I deliberately slowed down to let a car (laughs) waiting to pull out go in front of me, even though I knew it meant getting stuck at the temporary traffic light again. (laughs) But I thought I made the right choice as the minibus trundled off and the little boys realised I would no longer be behind them and their faces, their little faces, were creased with disappointment. I won, in the smallest way possible. If anyone's thinking... Good job you had a relaxing massage lined up after that ordeal. You'd be wrong, of course. As a drifter, having a stranger rub my body is the opposite of relaxing. And she actually commented afterwards about how tense I had been, which in a way was the best part of the day because it made me feel special, like I'm much more tense than the average person. So it was all worthwhile, kind of. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, This is from Laura. I've made a lovely new friend who has a daughter the same age as mine. She is bubbly confident and well-spoken in comparison to my northern drawl. <laughs> in our friend, early in our friendship, when it was my turn to order coffee, I asked what she would like and she said, a cafe latte. I walked towards the kiosk, convincing myself that she just means a latte. I've never heard anyone order a cafe latte, but why did she say cafe latte if she wants a latte? What if it's different and I return with the wrong drink? Googling the queue wasn't an option as I'd left my phone hanging on the buggy and it felt silly to go back now and ask for clarification (laughs) because I'd feel too self-conscious asking for a cafe latte if I don't had to. I apprehensively ordered, probably in a tone that suggested I was asking if I could have a cup of vinegar or something. (laughs) Everything was fine and I imagined what it would be like to not have to worry what a barista I'll probably never see again thinks of me. Imagine, imagine that. And this is from Chief Petty Officer Emma Woodhouse. We had an enforced, fun team-building afternoon at work today, and if that wasn't bad enough, I had an awkward interaction with a colleague. 
There was a bit of standing around between activities and I was chatting with a colleague that I'd known for a few years, but who I'm not very familiar with. He'd been off work for a couple of days, so to make conversation, I asked what he'd been doing with his days off. Well, not much this morning, he said, but it was my dad's funeral yesterday. Oh, no. Well, he'd been ill for quite a while. I don't know if you knew. Of course I didn't know. We exchange occasional pleasantries and sometimes speak to each other about work things, but that's pretty much it. There were a few more minutes of awkward, no eye contact talk about his dad's illness before I was saved by being called away to a balloon bursting competition. (laughs) I will now think twice before asking people what they did on their days off and I'm only grateful that I didn't ask if he'd done anything nice or fun. Also at this event, I failed twice to catch the name of a member of my team and then had to avoid using her name for three hours despite being strapped to her in a three-legged race at some point. Hooray for team building. Annabelle. Yes. Do you have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult? So something great happened yesterday. I looked up how to pronounce rooibos tea around 14 years after I started drinking it. Because until yesterday, I've been avoiding saying it by not ordering it even when I want it. You're looking confused. He's like, "What's rooibos?" Am I saying no, no, it wrong? no, no? I know what it is. Red, that redbush tea. Yeah, no, I know. No, well, I've heard it called. I've heard it called both rooibos and and redbush. I didn't. But is it spelt like R O O I B O S? Right. And did it become what? What you were perceiving on my face then? I've got like some half memory of nobody drank it. Yeah, yeah. And then there were some books. Yes, yes. It was the uh, detective agency thing. Yeah, number one ladies. Yes, detective yes, yeah, agency. yeah. And she drank it all the time in that, and it became popular. Yes. I do think it's because of those books. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when I started drinking it, anyway. But I've never been able to say it. Oh, is it, is it Roy, 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 Boss? Anyway, it's Roy Boss. And I think I'm going to remember it because. It's Roy Boss. So I'm using this visual memory technique of Roy Castle being my boss and making me prop up miles of dominoes. Sorry to the 80% of people who don't understand that. So I feel like yesterday I solved one of two big problems I have with Roy Boss tea. The other one is that I hate how it comes in the box in little pairs that you have to rip apart. Because I have to do this every other time I drink this tea. And every time... Hang on, what do, what do you mean, like two tea bags? Yeah, they're yeah, like attached. Like conjoined. I know, like I know conjoined. that you only ever buy tea bags that come individually wrapped. I do. <laughs> I do, he doesn't deny it. But like most people buy tea bags, they're in pairs. You know what I mean? You have I've to rip no, them. I've got no idea oh, what you're talking yeah. no, Right, here's, here's my experience of tea. It's either a box of PG tips. Do they not come in pairs? Well, some might I know stick York, together. I know Yorkshire well, tea comes so in like pairs. Concertina. So, but I just I think like the monkeys in the factory, the PG <laughs> tips factory, haven't separated them properly. But mostly they're individual and then some are stuck together. No, no. Like, so I'm basing this on... The peppermint tea I have, the rooibos tea I have. See, this, and- this is where I thought, because all, all I have a wide selection uh, of yeah, herbal yeah. teas, but they're all individually wrapped, which I, I, now that I say it, I don't think that's great for the planet. But- <laughs> well, I do wonder why they're individually wrapped as well. Like, they're trying to preserve the taste of or is it just because you want to run a bed and breakfast right yeah well that makes sense for that (laughs) but yeah and the yorkshire tea that tom drinks they all come in these pairs and there's a like a rip and you have to rip them apart like perfect the perforation perforation yeah oh i've just always assumed when they're stuck together it's some kind of fault 
No, well, not if they're all like that always. Oh, well, that's never been my experience. But. <laughs> but I hate every time I get one, and it's the ripping day, the ripping coating. So I used to, this is what I don't understand. I used to drink a lot of tea. Mm. But he was making it. Oh, you, you were, because it was your job. <laughs> <laughs> so were those tea bags that I was drinking many of every day, were they, they all stuck together? Well, I think because they were bought um, en masse and work, I think they were all just like in a big kind of... I think they're all. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All, okay. I feel yeah. I'm getting. I'm dragging you into the yeah. weeds. <laughs> the, the tea leaves. So every other time when I've got to do the ripping, my heart sinks because I'm chronically lazy and I just want to grab the bag and have no other ripping kind of fuss in my life. But also because I feel like I'm tearing apart lovers, maybe childhood <laughs> sweethearts, or a mother and a baby, or a great partnership like Chaz and Dave. <laughs> Let me send a message out to tea bag manufacturers and hope it somehow reaches them as I won't do anything proactive like contacting them myself. No. I'm not being flash, but whatever it costs to have those bags not attached to another bag, I'll pay it. Add a penny onto the box. I don't <laughs> care. That's fine. I looked up why they come in pairs. Yeah. Yorkshire Tea had written a blog post about it. Oh. It was so boring. I only managed one paragraph and none of it went in. It was so <laughs> you have the curiosity boring. to think, wonder why that is. And oh. then when you're given the answer, it's like, it, oh, it more was than a paragraph. so dull. And it just seemed like excuses. It was incredibly dull. Right. So that's that. I'm sure it can be done and I look forward to it. While we're in the kitchen, one more thing. Picture a cheese grater, one of those ones with four sides. I think they're called box graters. You got it? Yes. Okay, I'm going to go through those sides with you, those four sides. <laughs> I've never heard anyone do this and I'm already delighted okay. by it. Yeah. There's that one for the normal grating. Like if you're making a grated cheese sandwich. That's the number one most used side. Yeah. Okay, next one. There's that one for fine grating. That gets used a bit. Are you using that to if you're doing something with some garlic? Yeah, or like fine, like fine yeah, cheese, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's that. There's like a parmesan side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm called. Like, let's call it so the parmesan the a, side. So I think there's the A side and the B side. Yeah, yeah. The A side is your regular grated sandwich. Yeah. And then the B side is the parmesan yeah, side. Yeah. And yeah. then you've got the 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 two narrower sides, right? Yeah, right. So you've got one of those narrow sides. That's the one for cutting slices of cheese or slicing vegetables. I feel that that gets used by people who don't have these things called knives. And then there's a the fourth one. Well, people one. who use their objects correctly. So maybe it's just easier to get a slice of cheese using that thing. Maybe. But it just wouldn't occur to me. Never. Not, but then never I'd see a TikTok it. video saying, <laughs> uh, you've been using a greater wrong all your life. Yeah, this is going to change everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I still wouldn't do anything about it. Okay, let's move on to the fourth side. Yeah. The one that is super aggressive, like it wants to skin you alive. Yes. The one with the little spiky crisscrossy holes. <laughs> what the hell is that one for? I have never used it in my life. I would say I'm actually scared of it. I think I saw it in an episode of Gangs of London. Once when I was drunk, I felt really brave and I used it to see what would happen. And the cheese got stuck in the little holes. <laughs> If I was in my kitchen and I heard an intruder, I wouldn't grab a knife. I'd grab my box grater and brandish that weird, unused, weird side. Actually, that's a lie. I'd hide or climb out the window. But my point remains, there is no other household item as vicious. And if you're shouting at your podcast playing device about what it's for, don't email me. Whatever it is, I'm never going to use it. Unless it's an automatic teabag separator, which it isn't. But if you're a madcap inventor, that's an idea for you. 
absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. How was your Halloween? Oh, God. It was so awful. Why? You're not going to believe this. How old am I? 47. I've never been trick-or-treating until last night. Really? Never in my life. I went, poured with rain. Oh. I felt so embarrassed. Like Even though I went to the houses like you're supposed to, I only found out recently the ones where you, you put the pumpkin outside. That's the sign, isn't it? Yeah, because when we moved in here, we got all these sweets and treats and then sat in and nobody knocked on our door and we thought, do we... We've got a reputation in this neighbourhood for being like the house that children aren't allowed to go near. Yeah, yeah. And then it turned out that the signal is the, the lit pumpkin. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I've found yeah. that very recently. So even though I was only knocking on the houses, the pumpkin houses, I just felt, I just felt I found it embarrassing. To Were like you in fancy dress? No, no, my son was. Yeah. I just felt, it wasn't on my own. I just felt embarrassing like asking for sweets. Was it just you and Rudy? Yeah, yeah. Well, we did we did um, go to Wando and, and the man looked a bit shell-shocked and he went, oh, I just had a, 30 children all come at once. And oh, yeah, it's like that here. Oh, God, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like people going gangs. Yeah, That's it's, too it's, much. It's, it's crazy marauding. I've never seen anything like oh, it in, the, right. in this country. Anyway, I, I actually I actually hated it. What did Rudy go as? Uh, dragon, the costume you gave me. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And that, that feels vaguely... Uh, Halloweeny. Oh, I hope so. Monsters, yeah, dragons. Yeah. Dragon. Yeah, 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 definitely. How, how was your experience? Well, I think I've said before that um, with Sarah being American, Halloween has a different significance. So, and I know I say this every year and I'm sick of hearing myself say it, but my, my theory is that until the film E.T., Halloween was a minor thing with a bit of apple bobbing. Yeah, yeah. And then we saw what they do in America and we all went a bit nuts for it. And it's got worse and, and worse it's, every it's year. it's escalated I feel like it's then. peaking at the moment. It, well, may, maybe, although I've just been in the States and oh. we do not come close. Oh, God. Now, a big difference that Sarah has as American to a British person is that fancy dress for Halloween doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with the supernatural or witches or wizards or horror or anything like that. It's just it, fancy it, it dress, can, it? can it? be anything. Yeah. So the first year Jean was at nursery, she went to the nursery Halloween party as um, she she went as Carmela Soprano with Jean dressed as Tony. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which And everyone else was a pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Be- because here there has to be like this horror theme. Mm. But the reason I mention all this is it has, I think, at an early age instilled this idea in Jean's head that horror and Halloween don't necessarily go hand in hand. Okay. So he decided this year that he was going to go as Dick Turpin. Okay, well... The highwayman. Yeah, yeah a bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He's quite obsessed with Dick Turpin, as you know, because he's talked to you about it. <laughs> I do find it weird that Dick Turpin is a significant figure in British history. Oh. He's a mugger. Yeah. And as far as I can tell, there's nothing particular. It's not like Robin Hood who robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. He was just a man who stopped people with a gun and took their money. He's just a famous, yeah. Who eventually got caught. Yeah. But there were lots of other robbers. It wasn't he. He didn't invent anything. No, he didn't think. Oh, I know what'd be a good way of getting money. God, really Standing with two pistols and shouting, "Stand and deliver." Where did, where did your son learn about him? Horrible histories. Uh, okay, 
And then I played him Adamant Stand and Deliver, oh, which he great. really likes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the point being, he decides he wants to go as Dick Turpin. Because Dick Turpin was eventually hanged, I persuade him to have some um, horror, like blood marks on his neck where he would have been hanged. <laughs> okay, great. If I was better at crafts, yeah. I would have made some kind of noose, gallows thing, right. but too, I don't too. know how to do that. No, no, no. So the 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 blood was the one nod towards halloween yeah okay and then he's wearing a tricorn hat Mm -hmm. a cape Mm. puffy shirt Mm. and he's got a musket in each hand okay i have also um attached a bit of white hanky to each musket um where you might have a thing that comes out says bang Mm. i've written dick turpin on one and standard deliver on the other to help with any ambiguity brilliant still 90% 90% of the doors he knocked on, people went, oh, are you a pirate? Oh, how annoying. It's really annoying. How annoying. Because his, his costume was very faithful to Dick Turpin, mm. as portrayed by uh, Adamant and Horrible Histories. <laughs> <laughs> but the, they see the tricorn hat, they see the muskets. Lazy. Say, it is lazy. Yeah, lazy. Yeah. Mm. Read what it says on the muskets. They're looking, but they're not seeing. It's a big problem. It is a big problem. One parent, as we're going around, as I said, there's lots, as our street is just like swamped with kids and marauding gangs of kids and then parents standing at a distance. Some of, some of who are in fancy dress. Mm. And I just think, I oh, calm it down. Mm. Um, I hear one of the mums say, oh, look, it's a pirate. <sighs> he says, I'm Dick Turpin, the famous highwayman. <laughs> and she looks at his muskets and goes, well, we don't approve of uh, firearm assault weapons. Oh, my God. It's a musket. This is what I thought. Yeah. So I, I I feel very conflicted about this. Obviously, I think gun violence is a problem. Gun ownership. We're, we're lucky in this country that doesn't really exist. It's horrible. Mm. However, everybody I grew up with and you grew up with was playing with toy guns. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a correlation between that and any kind of increase in gun violence. Mm-hmm. I think I kids th- can tell the difference. I think whatever the underlying factors are, Toy guns aren't it. Mm. So what it becomes about is you don't want to look like the kind of parent. Mm. So I don't think it does any damage to him whatsoever at all or normalises guns or anything with him. Mm -hmm. But I think I look like the kind of parent who doesn't care about gun violence if I let him play with guns. Mm. So I don't let him play with guns. But I thought it's this historical musket. And to soften it, I put a handkerchief that says standard delivered Dick Turpin on it. Oh, she was so smug. Yeah, I know. What did you do? Shot her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with your real gun yeah. Bork, did you play with them as a kid <laughs> um, this wasn't my only fancy dress experience of the last few days Halloween oh really so I observed a lot of fancy dress but wasn't in it so on Sunday um, just for something to do I took Eugene to Comic Con oh are you aware of Comic Con I've heard of it so I've never been to anything like this before but I thought, oh, he'll like it. It's people dressed up as stuff. There's loads of stalls. Yeah. There's loads of activities. And there's like famous people, well, say famous people, people that are a bit part in Doctor Who once sitting there and people come and get their autographs for £10. Is that Yeah, like, yeah, is that yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Paul McGann was there. Oh, okay. Didn't see him, but I saw somebody who had a, an 8 by 10 signed photo of oh, him. Oh, nice. Uh, Anthony Daniels, who's inside C3PO. Oh. Again, didn't see him, but I know that oh, he was okay. there. He had a very poor relationship with Kenny Baker, who was inside R2-D2. Mm-hmm. I think he didn't like being bundled together with him. Oh, right, I think he considered yeah. himself a real actor, uh, whereas Kenny Baker, I think he just thought of as a man who was small enough to fit inside uh, a uh, robot where the technology didn't exist to properly animate. 
Right, right. I think. Yeah, you're, you're, you're just guessing. I'm remembering, like, a, a half remembering a, a Daily uh, Mail piece. Okay. But I think it was his autobiography serial. There was bad blood between them, I okay, think. Okay, okay. Anyway, um, so so I took him to this thing, and, and it's it's basically one of he, these huge conference centres, like the GMAX in Manchester or the NEC in Birmingham. Um, in this case, it was the XL in London, like where they would usually have massive trade shows or the Ideal Home Exhibition. And it's full of either what Annabelle said, like panels and famous people you can have your photograph with, or things you can buy, collectibles, or there's a lot of people just in what they call cosplay. Oh, yeah. So in fancy dress. Um, so, for example, we were queuing up to get a custom-made trading card, like a Pokemon card with Eugene's face on it. And in the queue next to us, there was a lady... It turned out she was my age, but I was surprised. I mean, I don't look good for my age, but this this lady looked like she had 15 years on me. Mm-hmm. And she was wearing orange velvet robes. Mm-hmm. And I eventually had to ask her who she was, which I felt bad about. Because I think, as as we saw with the pirate and Dick Turpin thing, it, it feels upsetting if people don't instantly recognise your fancy dress. Yeah. And um, it turned out she was Natalie Portman's character from the Star Wars prequels. This is Natalie Portman, I think, in her very early 20s. Mm-hmm. But not her regular costume, um, but in dis- a scene where she's in disguise. Oh, very niche. Yeah. She did this she. We were in this queue for about 25, 35 minutes, and this this lady, I don't think I asked a question, but she told me a lot about the whole Star Wars cosplay and Star Wars and her opinions on it and her costumes and her husband and his brother and their costumes and okay. the amount that you would sweat in a Mandalorian costume compared to a Stormtrooper costume and about how they tend to wear Star Wars during the day and then in the evenings change into steampunk. I mean, it was very interesting. Mm. Gave me a real insight. And and look, I, I, I don't want to seem like I'm mocking cosplay because mm. I don't think there's anything any more weird about people wearing cosplay than there is about people wearing the football kit of the team they support. I think yeah. it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think it's strange that as a society we see one as normal and one as weird. Mm. I think it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. So, something I have noticed, though, and this lady was an example of it, in in a film or a uh, a fictional universe, of like like the Marvel universe or whatever, there's a wide variety of characters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and something I've noticed is quite consistently, people don't wear the cos- cosplay, the fancy dress, of the characters they most closely resemble. Oh, right. So, for example, think about the fantasy genre, things like Lord of Rings and Game of Thrones. Mm. Like, there are always kind of bumbling unlikely heroes in those things Mm. we did the game of thrones podcast thing so you know if i said sam from game of thrones Mm -hmm. you know not very uh brave initially not a stereotypical hero physically he's a larger gentleman but comes good in the end and is one of the real heroes of the story Mm. now a lot of the people i saw at comic-con if i was casting them Mm -hmm, mm. i'd look at them and think Oh, yeah, you know, Sam probably most closely resembles their body type and general vibe. Right. But they they, they seem to not go with that and go with perhaps somebody who in the in the TV version might be more muscle-bound. But isn't that the point of cosplay, wanting to be the person that you want to be rather than who you are? Yes, but you've got to work with what you've got. <laughs> you've got to work with what you've got, I think. Yeah, okay. 
you know, unless you're being deliberately humorous with it. Mm. Or maybe that's mm. my maybe 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 that's my I'm bringing my own baggage to this. Maybe, and I have a lot of baggage to bring <laughs> in many sense of the word. So anyway, I'm going to go next year, and um, I've decided that Jean and I are going to go as George and Marty McFly. Great. <laughs> Because that is a, George McFly is a character <laughs> that I closely resemble. <laughs> Not at the end of the film when he gets all confident. No, no, no. I really dislike him then. No, no, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really dislike the fact that he keeps Biff the sexual predator around, but just to sort of humiliate him a bit. Mm. I think cut him out of your life if you did that. Yeah, yeah. Don't sort of like um, berate him as he washes your car. Cut <laughs> of it both ways. Hmm. Anyway, that's uh, I'll uh, I'll post photos. Great, look forward to that. Pondery corner at the Glack Clinic here in Problematic. First one from Hannah, long time listener, first time emailer. Oh, Hannah, thank you. Yeah. That makes me happy. Me too. Although I don't really consider myself a drifter, as I don't get embarrassed easily, I've realised perhaps I am, as I would rather put myself out than make someone else uncomfortable or sometimes even talk to someone. One example this week was when my nail salon, one I frequent, not own, said their card machine wasn't working, so I had to go and get cash out. They suggested going next door to the post office, as apparently you can withdraw cash at the counter for free. I've never heard of this. I did not want to risk asking and being laughed at. I actually didn't want to ask even if it was possible as asking was far (laughs) too difficult. So obviously I walked much further to an actual cash point to avoid interacting with a human. So perhaps I am a drifter after all. I have a quandary. But by the way, I hope it was one of the ones that charged because I think not having to speak to somebody is worth one pound fifty. <laughs> now that you know, it depends on your own financial circumstances. Yeah. But I think that 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 is uh, that's a fair trade. Mm. I have a subscription to a major coffee chain. You pay each month and get five free coffees every day. I'm sure you know the coffee shop I'm referring to. Anyway, you? yeah, yeah, it's Pret. Uh-huh. Anyway, I work up the road from one of their cafes and always go there rather than anywhere else when I fancy a coffee. 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 A cafe latte. (laughs) One day I mentioned to a colleague that I had the subscription and that I could get her a coffee if she fancied one. Oh, no. The next week she asked if I wanted to grab some lunch, suggested the coffee shop and asked if I could get her a coffee. I said, of course. And we went together to get a coffee and some lunch. I ordered both our coffees and my food and tapped my QR code to get the coffees taken off, expecting the total to go down from 10.45 to about £4 for my sandwich. But the price only went down by one coffee. £7.25 flashed up on the till. Uh. I obviously just paid this and so essentially gave my colleague my free coffee and paid for my own one. I didn't mention it to my colleague and just handed her the coffee when it was ready. I've since learnt, learnt that you have to have at least 30 minutes between redemptions of free coffee, presumably to stop you getting free coffee for friends. So my question is... What do I do next time she asks me to get her a coffee? If I tell her about the 30-minute timer, she'll know I paid for the last one and will ask why I didn't tell her. Am I now destined to pay for her coffees forevermore? It's the only option to resign from my job. There is no way to avoid her as it's a tiny office with just us in most days. Okay, let me think. So I I think, yes, resign from your job is the short answer. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. I think, and, you know, as, as somebody as evidenced by uh, many years of this podcast and other work prior to that, I, I am somebody who w- finds these conversations difficult. But I, I think there is a way of talking about it where, here's what I think. Mm-hmm. Ready? You go to prep with her. 
you go and get you she asks for a coffee thinking you're going to get your subscription you come back and you say i can't believe this and then say what has happened and throw Pratt under the bus and say, yeah. God, what what you know, what a terrible policy to to stop friends like us enjoying coffee on my subscription. Mm-mm. Um I think she's unlikely to mention the last time. Yeah. Yeah. But if she did you just I say I didn't just didn't so, notice. I, didn't, I, was, didn't even look. I think I must have just been so blindsided by it. I mean, you risk looking like a flash Harry. Well, I don't always look if I if I know it's going to be four pounds. I don't always check that it's four pounds. I yeah. might just put my card down. I say I just didn't. You notice. sound like a flash Harry though, saying that. You see, okay, look at you. You know, you're, you're, here's me saying that it costs. I'm happy to pay one pound fifty not to speak to a human being. <laughs> no, but if you know, you're not looking at how much things cost. <laughs> no, no, I am. We don't seem in touch with the average <laughs> I, Joe. I, because I'm looking at the price at Pret where it says four pound for my sandwich, and then I, but I'm not necessarily looking at what the card machine says. You, you, you're in a state of sh- you know you'd be in yeah. a st- yeah yeah confused yes yeah, confused confusion flummoxed. So I, I yes you would be flummoxed mm. yeah yeah flabbergasted What's going on? maybe I'm confused. Um, you, you think oh it must be the problem must be with my me. maths my maths yeah, must yeah, be bad yeah yeah yeah. So I th- I think it is possible. I think you can get away with it. Does she see you as a gravy train though? This well I, th- I do feel a coffee train. I'm surprised that she she brought it up. She said, "Oh, let's go to this one. Can I have a free coffee?" Uh-huh. I I'm not sure. I I would wait to. I I think that's a bit cheeky. Anyway, that's by the by. That's not the issue. So I, I am somebody who's relatively unaffected by caffeine, mm. but even by my standards, mm. I think five coffees a day <laughs> seems like an unlikely. <laughs> Amount of coffee for a person to drink. Yeah, well, I think they're not expecting people to actually buy five coffees a day, are they? That's how they make the money. Well, I still think it's a bargain, but anyway, I'm not working for press. So I don't need to say how, how much. Twenty five pounds a month, and you get five coffees a day. And these coffees, they can be like three quid each or more, can't they? So if you were doing your old job, yeah, where you drank coffee, which you don't anymore, yeah. and you were going into Pret every day, yeah. you'd definitely be saving money. I'd be, I'd be spending £15 a week, yeah. But then they're not, you know, they don't want people like you. No. They want people who are hardly ever in there, and at most they're only going to have one coffee. Mm. But even if you're having one coffee a day, does it work out? It does, yeah, anyway, but this isn't yeah. the issue, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the cooling off period. I think what you could do is, the next time it happens... Yeah. Get your sandwich, yeah. buy one coffee, give it to her. Yeah. And if she questions it, say, oh, someone told me that they've changed it recently. And to stop because so many people are buying them for the, oh, this is it. They've changed it this week because so many people are buying coffees for their friend. You now have to wait half an hour. So I'm going to go back in half an hour, but here's your one. They won't ask again. Yeah, because... That's and, it. I've solved that. Well, then you'll really get an insight into what kind of person they oh, are. If they if do, they do yeah, yeah. Th- then you resign. Yeah. Okay, okay good. Great. Let's go on to... Tess Gautier. I've got something on Quandry. I really like the name Gautier. It's nice, isn't yeah. it? Here's some background. I'm a drifter working at a university. The pandemic had an unfortunate side effect for me. I've been in a serious car accident several years pre-pandemic. Mm. I've been in, the, in a sedan-flavoured cream in an SUV sandwich. Accordion from both front and back. My car seat fell back oh. so I was staring at the car uh, ceiling. Uh, roof. Okay, yeah. I thought I'd coped and handled oh, it okay. God. Then we locked down. When we opened up again, I found driving next to impossible. Diagnosed with PTSD, I found it almost impossible to drive to work. The university was less than understanding and refused to permit me even one day a week to work from home just God, for the short term. Of, it? Like oh, no. some employees you expect that of, and at a university you don't expect that of. Yeah. I missed a few days of work here or there and once had to leave work after having a panic attack. 
My boss, who's at the best of times as a challenging individual, asked to see me a couple of weeks ago. I immediately thought of everything I've done recently, wondering if, if something had fallen short or not been up to standards, but couldn't think of anything. To my surprise, he appeared for the meeting with a stranger in tow. He and I meet a couple of times a week, but it's always the two of us. I thought, what's this? He started out introducing the other gentleman who was from HR and telling me about how our department was facing a lot of changes. I stopped breathing. This seemed ominous at best. Lightheaded, I closed my eyes for a moment while my boss chatted on about another department with similar responsibilities. All I could think was, I'm about to be fired. I just bought a used car to replace the clunker I've been stuck with when the insurance company paid me a pittance to replace the car that had been totaled. I owe thousands of dollars. What am I going to do if I get fired? But wait, he's still talking. He finally gets to the point and tells me I'm going to be working for another department starting in two weeks' time. Another department with people I don't know, with people I've never met, in an office I've never seen. What if these people want to talk to me? What if I have to talk back? My present job has a private office with a door I can lock against surprises. Most of my work is done in isolation, total isolation. But what if the new job is a cubicle? What if I'm sharing space? I shudder every time I think about it. Anxiety aside, here's the quandary. I've heard nothing from the new boss. I'm not even sure who I'm supposed to be working for or who would be my supervisor. I waited out the first week thinking each day, now someone will contact me. Someone's going to call. I'll get an email any minute now. Nothing. When the second week started, I told myself I should reach out to someone myself. Trouble is, I don't know anyone in this other department. It's in a completely different building and I've no idea what office I'm reporting to, let alone what I'll be doing. There's also the problem of not being sure to whom I'll be reporting. What if I emailed or called the wrong person? What if the person didn't know anything? What if this is an elaborate scheme to get me to make a fool of myself so they can dismiss me for gross incompetence? I managed to find courage enough to send an email to HR to ask about it. Nothing. Have I been fired? Are they just hoping I'll drift away? Does the other department want me or was I foited upon them because of the union and they'd really rather have someone else? Have I been labelled a problem employee and they'll just have the new department claim they don't need me after all? What do I do? I'm in a mess. Please help. I'm going to be really honest here. Mm. Like you are in a mess. Mm. Like most most of what we deal with on this is um, silly <laughs> social etiquette dilemmas. Mm. And, and I genuinely think that there's some stuff going on with your employer i know i'm supposed to give a funny answer but that that uh somebody who understands how to navigate these matters better than i do would be able to advise you on the ptsd doesn't feel insignificant in this Mm. and you know i i'm not one for any kind of armchair diagnosis but I will make the point that if there was some neurodiversity at play with with you, um, it doesn't sound like, without knowing all the facts, it 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 doesn't sound like best practice of a workplace. Sounds like terrible practice. Yeah. So. I'm so, I'll be really honest. I'm struggling to see, struggling to find the funny in it because what I just heard seems really quite distressing. Like, if it, just thinking what that must be like to be you, They're not knowing so, where you're going, when you're yeah, supposed to be, who you're supposed yeah. to be working with, it's totally and, and, stressful. You know, there, there are. 
there are ways in which you've described yourself that um make me think that that some of the stuff that you've mentioned is really significant Mm. to you because of how you're built like Mm. you know we're all built differently and this is a very kind of uh normal within the range of how people are built but sort of knowing about your work environment knowing um having expectations then that taking its toll on you in these ways if it's not properly managed I'm really sorry. I know I'm supposed to say something funny, mm. but um, I, th- I think I wonder if you need to find some kind of like a g- genuine advocate who can help you with this. I don't know if that would be a union representative. Like I'm, I'm slightly loathe to kind of bring up the neurodiversity diversity thing because that that would presumably like op- open or not open a can of worms for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I think I think the sort of assistance you need in navigating this isn't something that two silly people on a podcast can can help you with. Much as um, we could, you know, we could try Annabelle. We could spitball and see if we can uh, come up with some hilarious solution involving poison pen letters and whatever. But I think you probably need to maybe go to see HR in person. Yeah. Email not enough. Well, I think so. It's- I mean, like something I've heard said about HR is it's got this name, human resources, which make gives the impression that it's about being an advocate for you, the employee. Mm. But you usually it's just a sort of layer of protection for the employer. Oh, okay. Um, so I wonder if maybe as a first port of call, t- bring bringing up the PTSD stuff and s- seeing if there's some kind of advocate within the union might be a good starting place but you know i also want to hold my hands up and say i'm kind of so far out of my field of expertise Mm. that i don't really know what i'm talking about but i am pretty confident that um you you need some help that isn't just us yeah 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 and if anything i've said there kind of sends sends you off in the right direction then uh, um, Could then, you speak to your great. current boss again? Like they seem to know what's going on. They spoke to, yeah. I think they, so. Did they sort it out for you? I think so. I think uh, go yeah. either go to your current boss, yep. or HR. And again. D- you know, I just want to say, don't d- don't worry about being a squeaky wheel. Oh God, who cares? Yeah. Well, we're drifters, so we care about being but, squeaky no, wheels. No, but what but, I mean is, you're very much entitled. Yes. To, to, you're not a squeaky wheel. Yeah. But you're very much entitled to know when you're going to start this new job and where it is. Yeah. It's not being a squeaky wheel. Yeah. So mm. um, I hope there's something useful in there somewhere, and I'm really sorry that you're going to And let's this. let us know what's going on. Yeah. Um, sorry we didn't have, like, a, a funny answer. Mm. I mean, I do sort of feel that if the university is being this shuddly run, it's going to close down soon, but that doesn't really help you. They tend not to, don't no, they? No, you, they don't often hear about <laughs> university clothes. I think they're just like, yeah, they'll just, like, stumble along as they are. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, not helpful yeah, either, sorry. And that was our podcast. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, um, a social etiquette, a, a rule that you need to know, a clarification, do get in touch. I mean, it's 
quite possible that will be out of our depth and take some professional <laughs> help. But um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Also, your stories of trying to navigate your way through the human race. Yeah, you don't want to come first in the human race. You know, you, you just want to make it to the finish line. Exactly. That's all we're trying to do here. Uh, tell us your stories of your, your struggles to do that. Humorous ones. Um, <laughs> it's uh, hello at adriftpodcast.com. You can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com stroke adrift. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the back of music. I saw a tweet, I think, saying they're out on tour oh. this autumn. I'd like to go see them again. They're very good. Uh, and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took our photos. Kim Rainey uh, designed our artwork. What a great job she did. Mm-hmm. And I'll finish this week just with a simple hooray for team building. All right, podication time. Do you want me to read this super fast, Annabelle? Because I can tell you're anxious. You've got to be somewhere, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. You've got to be at the garage. I've got an MOT due. <laughs> Do you have to be there for that? No, no, but I've got the Trump car off. <laughs> oh, I thought you dropped it. Oh, no, no I haven't you done it yet. The... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, sorry. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, Kerry Cronin says, I would please like a podication for my fairly average husband, Paul. Paul and I are long-term listeners. He thought I was going to say lovers. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Long-term lovers. This is my long-term lover, Paul. Um, I feel bad if it was one of these where she'd written, um, yeah, I've listened to podcasts for a long time. Paul doesn't really like it. I wouldn't have felt quite so bad about rushing through it. Oh, don't rush. It's fine. Don't rush. Okay. Take your time. It says, Paul used to listen to your hometown show. And when we went traveling for our honeymoon around Asia in 2015, we first began downloading your podcast, listening around Nepal, Cambodia, Myanmar. Mm-hmm. and Vietnam, oh, to like, name a few. I like to think that our voices went to those places. I know. Um, we've listened to Adrift from the very beginning. We look forward to every Wednesday when a new one drops. He's rolling his eyes now, as I said, drops. <laughs> you've, you've got to go with it sometimes. Mm. There are some, some red lines I have. I won't say vinyls. Just vinyl. No, records. I'll say, yeah, I'll yeah. say a vinyl record or I'm mm. going to buy some vinyl. Mm. I won't call, yeah. But um, I, th- I, think I, I th- think I've made peace with drops. It's fine. My new single is, my new single is dropping, is dropping. My single is dropping, is dropping. Um, I'm trying to quote Thirty Rock, but without really remembering the line, okay. unfortunately. But I thought maybe somebody out there will know what I'm doing. But <laughs> then I realised it's so weird what I just said. I need to give it some context. Although I'll be the first to admit that I'm the one who moans when our Wednesday evening listen doesn't appear. Mm. I can get a bit moody, let's say. Oh dear. Well, I hope this appears. We should do. It should. So we're recording in plenty of time. Unfortunately, my computer died on holiday and oh. I've got to get all the bits of music and things oh. off the old one, Oh, which is my project for the rest of the day. Oh. But we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Um, the podication is a special one as Paul turns 40 on the 2nd of November. Oh. That's, that's when this drops. That's when, yeah, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Um, we've been together 16 years and married for eight. We have a six-year-old son, Jack, and a one-year-old daughter, Savannah. Very good names. Lovely. Uh, just recently, Paul's been made redundant from his job. Oh, I'm really sorry, Paul. Um, Kerry says, this is a tough break for anyone, but it's even worse luck when it's the fifth time in seven years. Oh, God. Either being let go or the, of the, or the role or the company no longer existing. 
God, that's really rough, and I, I think that stuff does stuff to yourself. Yeah, esteem. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, and we all know that, like who we are and what we think of ourselves, shouldn't be wrapped up in the job we do, but it, it just is a lot of the time. So. I'm simultaneously understand and I'm sorry that that's happened to you, Paul. And yeah, you're better than any of these jobs anyway. Yeah. I think. I mean, I don't know what they are. <laughs> um, I just want to say how extremely proud of him uh, I am for how positive he's been throughout it all. This time around, it's been much harder than previous times. And he's admitted he felt like he was letting us, his family, down, which is very painful to hear. Mm. I'm really sorry. I'm, yeah, I mean, I sort of understand those feelings, and I understand how upsetting it is to see somebody in a thought pattern like that, which you, as his um, as his wife, who just lo- loves him, you know, you don't think like that, but it's, you know, both those things coexist, don't they? Um, I've been a stay-at-home mum for the past four years, and it has literally been the most incredible gift he could ever have given me. Onesies are nice, though, aren't they? A really comfortable onesie. <laughs> it's a good gift as well, yeah. but maybe not quite the same. Um, socks where you can have like things printed on them. Mm. Anything you want? I still think that she got the slightly better okay. one. Yeah. I know the responsibility for us weighs heavy on his shoulders in times like these, but I want him to know that he has made and keeps making our dreams come true and is literally our children's hero. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, we know we'll get through this one as we have the others and come out stronger on the other side. We're so grateful for him and to wish him, uh, sorry, we're so grateful for him and to him and wish him the most brilliant of birthdays with all our hearts. Obviously, he's not average in the slightest and we're very lucky to have him. He's an amazing husband and father and we know there is a bigger, brighter future for him coming. Is the 40s been fabulous, Kerry? That that was a really lovely podication. What a great marriage you have. Yeah. You know, I'm really sorry that you've t- taken these knocks, Paul, but, you know, what, what a family. And if you could see yourself through their eyes, which hopefully you can get glimpses of, like we all do, then hopefully, you know, that's you understand that's who you are, not some st- stupid stuff involving economies and companies and yeah. spreadsheet, spreadsheets and faces fitting or wh- wh- whatever, it, whatever yeah. your situation yeah. is. Um, so there we go. Happy... Uh, Happy birthday. Happy 40th. 40. What do you remember about turning 40? Oh, I remember I went away for the weekend and Tom had like terrible flu and, we, and he just like stayed in bed the whole time, but not in a like a, in an ill way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my 40th wasn't great. Oh, really? Bits of it were, mm. but you know, similar thing. We went away and Sarah was quite jet lagged and um, she. Uh, Thought it was an appropriate time to uh, tell me some home truths. Oh, God, sounds horrendous. <laughs> and then her 40th was terrible. Oh, she got really ill, didn't she? Yeah, she was in the hospitalised. Oh, what is it with our terrible 40th? I seriously misjudged uh, a, a present, which caused all kinds of problems. Oh, God. Um, anyway. <laughs> Yours is going to be so much better than yeah. ours. Yeah, there you go. Um, happy birthday, Paul, from Kerry. And Savannah and Jack. And if you'd like a publication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.